0: Hello, everyone. This is Mark with Speak Brave Podcast. Welcome to the show. Today, by special request and popular demand, we have Scott Brown back. Hey, Scott. Hey, Mark. How are you? Hi, everyone. How's everyone doing out there? Good. And welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. You're such a success. People wanted for you to come back. And tell us a little bit more about who you are. Fantastic. So I will start off right away. Okay. Scott, how did you become you?
1: Wow, how did I become me? I am not the person that I ever thought that I would be. I am not the person that, if you ask my family who I was going to be, this is not what anybody would have ever expected. I was a tall, gangly, awkward kid that tried his best to hide in plain sight for the majority of my life. And I failed miserably at that, because when you're six foot tall in seventh grade, you tend to stand out. And I wanted nothing more than just be able to blend into the blend into the network, blend into the background and just not be anybody. And I had a career that, no matter how much I tried to blend in, I just ended up succeeding. I spent 21 years climbing the retail ladder. in corporate America and never intended that to happen. But even though my best intentions to stay small, I ended up getting big. Hmm. And I climbed forward and eventually it led me to go out on my own as a corporate consultant. And I ended up standing out and standing up on stages and giving presentations and speeches that if you were to go back and ask people, would you have seen this for me? there would have been a lot of laughter and head shaking mm-hmm. and probably some we'll take that bet kind of conversations
0: would you mind talking about that uh, part of your childhood um some things like what are you talking because i know i have heard you speak before yeah several times and it's always an honor and it's always um i'm fascinated by your craft the uh, your power your, your crafted language mm-hmm your stories, and then your scenes. And I have had a chance to appreciate some of those. Would you mind talking about some obstacles that you have had to overcome? Sure. I think like most people, I
1: started out afraid of my own voice and afraid to stand out. Mm -hmm. And my fear was reinforced very strongly by my teachers when I was in school. Mm -hmm. When I was in seventh grade, I'm six feet tall, 125 pounds, And I went to high school in Mount Lebanon, outside of Pittsburgh, Mm. in one of the more affluent neighborhoods of Pittsburgh. And we were not one of the more affluent families in Mount Lebanon. So everybody else was wearing all their eyes, odds with the collars popped up. I was wearing all the Kmart ripoffs. So I just wanted to kind of blend in and didn't want to be anybody. But for some reason, my guidance counselors decided that I should take advanced English. Eighth grade English as a seventh grader. And part of that meant that I was going to have to stand up and give presentations to a bunch of eighth graders as an awkward seventh grader. Now, I imagine that most of your audience at one point went to middle school and remembered how fun middle school was in the first place. Mm -hmm. So imagine having to go through it as a seventh grader talking to eighth graders and there was one assignment in particular, I'll never forget, Mrs. Dawson. Her I, her assignment for the day was she gave us this picture, and we had to describe how for somebody else to draw that picture. And I spent hours trying to figure out exactly what I was going to say, and I thought I had it perfect, and I handed it in, and I figured I'm never going to get called on. Well, sure enough, that's the day that she decided that I was going to get up and talk to the class about how to draw this picture. And I stood up there and I said, all right, first fold the paper in half longwise, mm-hmm. and draw a line across the horizon. Mm-hmm. And I heard this little chuckle in the room. And I was like, well, why is everybody laughing? That's not really funny. And I said, now fold it in paper again and draw a line across the vertical part of the paper. Well, I had missed what vertical and horizon meant. And as I was showing people, I was telling them to draw a line across the horizon, top to bottom of the paper, and across the vertical part of the paper, left to right. And my teacher started laughing, and the class started laughing. And I realized that I had made a mistake, but I didn't know what that mistake was. And she stood up and said, How can you possibly not know what horizontal is compared to vertical? And I started crying, and I ran out the room, out the school, out the front door, and all the way home, and just hid in my room. Didn't go back to school for two days. And I never wanted to speak in front of anybody ever again because in my mind, I always, every time I had to stand up and give a presentation, no matter where it was, I would rather just take the zero then risk standing up and getting mocked by my teacher. Now it was made worse because a couple of years later, my best friend's little brother had Mrs. Dawson again. And how do you think she described what to do and what not to do for that assignment? She used me as an example. I had this kid a couple years ago that stood up in front of the room and didn't know the difference between horizontal and vertical. And he knew the story because I was best friends with his older brother, and he and I had been good friends forever. And it just made me so fearful of talking to anybody. And that persisted forever. That just that was something that I followed with me for a long time. And I think there's a lot of people out there that have one of those incidents in their life that kind of follows them. And maybe it's not standing up in front of a class and making a fool out of yourself. But it's making a fool out of yourself somewhere. And it sticks with you that that's not for me. Mm -hmm. When you didn't know that hiding behind all that Mm -hmm. fear was a skill that you never knew you had. Mm -hmm. And it took something else to draw that out of you and face your fear and do something that you never thought you would ever Mm -hmm. want to do in your life. Mm -hmm. And you realize that you had been running from the thing that you were supposed to be running towards. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how my life ended up unfolding that I found that I had been running from making a difference because I was afraid to stand out, when what I should should have been running towards was an ability to make a difference and the ability to stand out.
0: That's a beautiful uh, metaphor, right, for everyone who's listening. Uh, I have many thoughts as you describe the story. Uh, First of all, the childhood. I mean, sometimes it's traumatic, sometimes it's joyful, sometimes it's a mix of two. And one of the things that I have learned to appreciate as an adult, which is an adult is debatable. True. <laughs> but well, as an adult, I think, okay, I cannot change the past. Correct. And sometimes I have come to this understanding. It's, it, it is time to let it go. Yeah. Whether it's buried below subconscious, whether it's, whether it's exercised through some other you know, actions that we take, we cannot change the past.
1: You know, it's interesting that you, I think, as everybody has this opportunity to move on from whatever it is that holds them back, but it's comfortable. And no matter how painful an experience might be, it can be comfortable to hold on to it because you're comfortable with the pain. You know how to deal with that pain. You know how to hide that pain. You know what that means. And Even though it's the wrong thing to hold on to, it's the comfortable thing to hold on to. Mm -hmm. And it's not until you're willing to step out of that comfort and find something more uncomfortable that you're willing to let that go. And sometimes that other thing that you're even more uncomfortable with is just the ability to push away what it is that you've been allowing yourself to hold on to that's holding you back, that's that weight that's keeping you in place, that sense of gravity that you think is keeping you grounded but is just keeping you stuck in one area Mm -hmm. and that can be hard to let go like as i said i grew up in pittsburgh and there's a whole generation of pittsburghers that had to leave because when the steel industry left and the coal industry left my generation didn't have anything there to hold on to but my generation's parents all stayed around that area And my family is still centered within a seven-mile radius of where they grew up because it's comfortable. It's what they know. And there's some of them. I have cousins that still tell me when I go home, next year, the steel mills are going to reopen. I'm like, dude, the steel mill is a park. It can't reopen. It's not even there anymore. You're holding on to a dream of what was, of what you wished would be, but it's never going to be what it is. I think that we sometimes get stuck in that mentality of remembering things for what you want it to be instead of for what it is. And sometimes you hold on to those painful memories because it keeps you safe, but it doesn't help get you to where you want to go. And you also hold on to those memories that make you elated about something, but it wasn't as great as what you thought it was. When you go home, you think, wow, this is the greatest place to grow up. And you walk around and you think, how did I live here for all these years? And I love where I'm from, but I love more that it gave me the base to put me to where I am today, mm-hmm. that it, it's part of my story, but it's not my whole story. Mm-hmm. And I've allowed it to be a, an incredibly important chapter in my life, but mm-hmm. not to be the end chapter of
0: my life. Right. I, I Hearing, t- uh, as you describe, where you're from yep. and also the background and scenarios and everything that came to be, uh, we grow up. Yeah, and not only do we grow up as uh, adults, but we grew up in our feelings, our perceptions, and our perspectives. Can you talk about what actions did you, you can recall and say, okay, I remember I was in this position and I have taken this action and maybe this decision that allowed you to break through some fears and really was, may not be comfortable yeah, but you got this. I, oh, yeah. I, I want to hear those. I want to hear the juice.
1: <laughs> so when I was growing up, I grew up in. I grew up in a family that one side of my family was steelworkers, coal miners, very blue collar, mm-hmm. and the other side of my family was more white collar: teachers, comptrollers, accountants, designers. So there was this dichotomy in the life that i was and the experiences that i had as a kid between Mm -hmm. those two different sides Mm -hmm. my dad wanted me to be something more than what he thought that i could than what i thought i could be Mm -hmm. and his goal for me from the time i was probably in junior high school was to go to college and be an accountant you've got to go be an accountant you've got to go be an accountant well the problem is i don't speak math so if you're not good at math, accounting is a really difficult path to go down. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to be that kid that disappointed his father because we like to we don't want to disappoint our parents. You know, we want and to. And plus, kind of, we're
0: we're kids. We're kids, we're right? Kids. Like, we don't, we don't necessarily
1: know what we want. Yeah. We know what people want for us. And right. my dad wanted me to be an accountant, so I went to college, and I got an accounting degree. And I tell everybody that. It took me just a, just a mere five and a half years to earn a four-year degree in accounting. And it wasn't because I loved college that much. It was because I was that bad at accounting. And I got out, and I spent about six months as an auditor working for one of the big six. Mm-hmm. And I remember the day I was sitting in my cube in the back of the cube farm, and I was trying to read this report that I had no idea what it said. And it hit me that I am going to do this for the rest of my life and I am going to hate every moment of every day and I'm never going to be anything because all I'm trying to be is employed because I was so bad that I was amazed nobody had fired me. And that day I got up and I quit my job as an accountant. Hmm. And I remember having to tell my dad that I had quit and he was heartbroken that I wasn't going to be an accountant but he was more heartbroken that I was choosing to be unemployed over having a job and finding a new one. So I took the next step to please my parents and took the first job I could find was in retail management. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I just knew what I didn't want to be. I spent the next 21 years kind of just making a living, doing something that I thought I should do. And it got comfortable. You go to work every day. You know what's expected. It became a very comfortable life, but it was never a life that really resonated with me. I was good at my job. I was very good at my career. I went from running stores. I transitioned over to the HR side and spent about 10 years as an HR director. And I really liked what I did, but it wasn't who I was. And about 10 years ago, as the economy collapsed, I found myself as a director of HR for IKEA. And who do you think the first person was that ended up being on the outs when you had to reduce payroll? the highest paid person in the store, which also was your HR director, which was me. So I found myself at a point in my career where I had climbed the corporate ladder, got into a place where I was very comfortable, I was very well compensated, but I was still standing on top of this ladder, looking down and realizing that the ladder led nowhere I wanted to go and knowing that I leaned my ladder against the wrong wall, but I didn't know what wall I wanted to lean it against. So instead of going back and just jumping right back into getting another corporate job, I took a step back and said, okay, so what do I want to do with my life? What's important to me? What's my why? What am I going to wake up every day and think that I'm fulfilled and making a difference in the world? And I realized that that why had been, I had found it in retail, but it had been hidden from me in a way that was right under the surface. The red thread that had run through my career was, my willingness to always reach out and help people find their passion, develop their ability, and become somebody further than who they ever thought they could be. And I knew that was where I had to go. I knew that's where I had to go as a career. But all I'd ever done was work for people. All I'd ever done was do the safe corporate thing. And when I made the decision to do the unsafe, risky, entrepreneurial thing and start my own consulting and leadership company, Incredibly scary. And at the moment that I decided to do that, I realized okay, I have this background in the corporate world, but I don't have anything to lean back on to say, this is why I think these things work. I went back to grad school and earned a master's degree. And amazingly, when you go to college and you earn a master's degree in something that you love, it is way easier than earning a degree in something you hate. That the year and a half it took me to earn my master's felt like a month, whereas the five and a half years it took me to earn my bachelor's degree felt like a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And from the moment that I stepped into kind of the academic leadership world, I knew that I had found my niche. I knew I found where I was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And it's just led me step by step to get to places where I never thought I would be. Mm -hmm. And it led me to become a speaker. It led me to become a Toastmaster. It led me to become a coach, led me to become a consultant, and I think the biggest thing is it led me to become an example for people that I work with and around to say that you don't have to be who you think you are going to be in order to make a difference in the world. Sometimes you can be who you never thought you were going to be, and that's the person you're supposed to be, and that's how you can really help.
0: Wow. This is amazing. This is amazing. Uh, I love it. What would you say if somebody is... Listening to this um, to this episode right Mm now, and they are in a transition period. What I mean by that is maybe they have a job, yeah. Maybe they don't, and they're thinking, "All right, should I stay?" Or maybe you know what? This is somebody who is in college, (laughs) somebody in college, and they just starting their career or thinking about this. A lot of things are changing and happening, right? There's so many things you can do. Uh, You are in the field, yeah. what would you say to that uh, person who is just just coming out to the uh, real professional working world? Uh, what things that you would think? I mean, not career-wise, but like you like develop your skills. Like, what would you say to them?
1: I think there's two big things that well, one big thing that I hear a lot that drives me nuts, and I think it's important to kind of get out there mm-hmm. for everyone to know. You hear a lot about follow your passion. Follow your dreams. Don't do it. Do not follow your passion. Because your passion is what you like to do. It's what you get fulfillment from. But it doesn't mean it's where you're going to make the most impact. Instead of just following your passion, follow where you get the most energy from. Where is it that every moment seems like it just passes in a split second, whether that's a day, a week, or a month follow your energy. Mm -hmm. There are a million ways to put your energy to work. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not in the way that is most obvious to you. But if you follow your energy, it's going to allow you to unlock those possibilities Mm -hmm. of where you can possibly find the energy to be able to make a difference in the world don't just follow your passion follow your energy and I think that's incredibly important And the second one is and this is something that I didn't learn until much later in life is that relationships are the cornerstone of everything that happens people don't work for people people don't work for bosses they work for people people don't work for companies they work for people people don't work for ideas they work for people people make the world go around and I had always been told that if you find a great job stick with that job no matter what no Find the people that believe the same things as you. Find the people that are going the same place that you want to go. Find the people whose why resonates with you. You find those people, build the relationships with those people. That is who to follow. Those are the rabbits you should chase. I'm a firm believer that if you try to chase multiple rabbits, you're trying to chase two rabbits, you'll never catch one. But you have to figure out which one to chase. And it's always really appear, appealing to chase the easy rabbit. But sometimes the right rabbit to chase is the hard rabbit. But along the way to chasing that hard rabbit, you're going to find the people that are willing to help you. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are willing to help you are the same ones that believe what you believe, that do what you want to do. It's all about relationships. And when you chase the right rabbit, you're going to find the people on the way they're going to help you out. And you're going to find the energy to get through any obstacle. There are trolls out there hiding behind the trees. The energy to get by them and the people to help you defeat those trolls is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to find it just because it's fun to do, but it's because it's the right thing for you to do. Mm -hmm. Don't get stuck in pleasing other people. Don't get stuck in what you think is the right answer. Get stuck in what's the difficult answer and the thing that scares you but you know is the right thing
0: for you. Right. I love it. Um, Scott, what is your next personal challenge? You have. Conquered speaking in Toastmasters and outside, in inside and outside. But what is that one thing that's not on your bucket list, but personal challenge? That, you know what, I am, I am here, but I want to invest my energy into this. What are you working on?
1: I think there's two things that are very related, and they're related to the speaking world. And I've always wanted to do a TED Talk, but I've been afraid to do a TED Talk because, to me, that's kind of the epitome of the best speakers with the best ideas. And the thing that I'm working on most at this time is getting out of my own head and out of my own way to allow those things that I know are the right things to talk about, the right things to do, to allow those things to come through on the biggest stages. Mm -hmm. So doing the TED Talk is certainly paramount to what I want to do and getting onto much bigger stages that I have a great message when it comes to leadership and it comes to consulting and it comes to engaging people that i really believe you align what you do with what you say and who you are you and things will work out for you and you will find the energy to be able to accomplish anything getting that message out there it's why i have my company hardy consulting Mm -hmm. it's why i have a website it's why i connect with people Mm -hmm. and the biggest thing that i'm working on and i'll continue to work on is stop allowing myself to be small and allow myself to be big. Yes. Because it's it can be scary and hard to allow yourself to be big. It's comfortable to stay small. But yeah. allowing yourself to get big, and you know this because you've gone and done the TED talks and yeah. you're far beyond what you probably thought you were going to be at this point in your life. This is something that you never thought you were going right. to do, but you've done exceptionally well. Allow yourself to be big and have a big voice, have a big stage, have a big presence
0: and have a big impact. I love it. Thank you. This is amazing. Um, one, I'm a big believer yep. in talking. Um, not just talking. Talking, implementing, executing, getting yes. feedback, learning. And this is a Speak Brave. Yes. So, Scott, let's do a little magic. Let's go for it. One year from today. One year from today. One year from today. Tell me the stage that you have spoken on, booked, and made an impact. Or tell me um, an event. That you are part of, that you are, you receive the top billing, the highest honor, because you are there. So let's look into the future, and then we're going to follow up. And also, we do this because there's somebody out there who's listening, who knows somebody who can help. This yeah. Out. So let's let's dream a little bit.
1: If I'm going to go big, I I really do on my bucket list. Really is to talk at the SHRM conference, at the SHRM annual conference, Society of Human Resource Management. And to really help HR people and have the stage in the audience to help HR people not just implement the policies and procedures, but to be the leaders that they can be within organizations and within society as a whole. We need HR people to not be traditional HR people, but to be more than what they were and to be what they can be. I want to speak at the SHRM conference. At the same point, I want to speak on, I want to do a TED talk. And I want to do a TED Talk that is impactful enough that people link to it and say, this helped change my life. Mm -hmm. I'm not so concerned about the big size of the stage as I am about the size of the impact. And if I can have the biggest impact, if I know that people reach out to me and say, I'm better because I know you, I'm better because I've listened to you, and I'm better because of what you've taught me. That means that in the next year, I will have made the impact that I want to make.
0: Mm. Well, I will... I will say that I'm better off because I know you. Likewise. And uh, it's, it's, it's how I really feel. So, Scott, tell us, what would be the best way to connect with you and to work with you?
1: Best way definitely is through my website, Hardy Consulting. It is H-A-R-D-I-E Consulting, hardyconsulting.com. It's my middle name. Had to keep the family alive. And there's just a bazillion Browns out there. And Scott Brown is a little bit too common. So i went with Hardy Consulting. And you can email me at scott at hardyconsulting.com. Or follow me on Twitter, at Scott Brown, M-S-O-L. It stands for Master of Science in Organizational Leadership. Follow me. Connect with me. Let's have a conversation, and let's make a difference together.
0: Sounds fantastic. I will be following you um, for the rest of my life. I mean, why not, right? Until, there we go. <laughs> until, until Relationships go
1: through, matter, don't they?
0: I, I do so. I believe, Absolutely. 100%. So thank you, everyone, for listening and for being part of this journey. I certainly enjoyed it and loved it. And you're going to come back and tell us in one year how that um, I dream went.
1: absolutely right? will. Thanks for having me, Mark.
0: This was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining us. And don't forget to speak brave.